Welcome to RCC at Home. My name is Natasha. And my name is Tara. We are so glad you are here with us today. If you're new here and checking us out, make sure you hit the subscribe button and hit the little bell so you get notifications when we put out videos. Also, make sure you head over to our social media and check us out on Facebook. And head to RCC Sunday mm -hmm. to fill out a red card so that you don't miss a thing. Mm -hmm. You'll get Pastor Mike's emails every week. And, and talk about signing up for things on RCC Sunday. We have started the Live It Challenge. Yes. So if you are looking for something in your life to take our Sunday morning services and enhancing them and looking for things to how to apply the things you've learned on Sunday, Live It is for you. So make sure you check it out on rccsunday.com. Yeah, it's a really great way to live out what you learn on Sunday, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all of the other days. Absolutely. Right? And this week in our masks series, as we continue on, Pastor Mike is talking all about the important mask. And I don't know about you, but I sometimes wear that mask when I feel a little too busy mm -hmm. and overwhelmed by family and work and all of the things that go on every week. Make sure to keep listening about the important mask and what that means for you in your life. Hey everyone, I want to welcome you to RCC at Home. If it's your first time, my name is Mike, I'm one of the pastors here. If you've been around RCC for a long time, welcome back, and I miss you. It's been so long since we've been together here at church. The, the, the services out at Green Lake were so fun this summer, but I miss you guys. So if you're looking for someone to talk to next week, you want to make a call or you want to shoot an email, that would be so fun for me. I can't wait to be back together in person. Today, we continue our Masks series. Pastor Sam started it last week, and I'm really excited about this one. Essentially, in this series, what we're doing is we're looking at different ways that, that we hide or we try to protect ourselves sometimes just to get by in life. Maybe it's to be a people pleaser and we put on a mask or this fake religious mask. All these different things we'll talk about I think are really going to help you. But today, I'm talking about the important mask, or you might prefer to call it the busy mask. I think we all want to be important. We all want to be significant, so sometimes we put on a mask to play that role. There's a great story that, that, that'll help us study this in the Bible. It's in the book of Luke. It's in chapter 10, and it's verse 38. It's the story of Mary and Martha. Here it is. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was worried about the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are so upset over all these details. There's really only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and I won't take it from her. You see, Martha, like all of us, she wanted to be important. So she busied herself. And then because of that busyness, she wanted everyone else to recognize just how important she really was. So why was Martha just that busy and, and so frustrated over it? And, and why are we so busy all the time and so frustrated over it? And what can we do about it? Is there a better way? Is there a better way for me and for you this week? Could our lives be different this week? Could the lives of everyone we know be different because we're different this week? I think so. I hope so. 
Because despite having more conveniences than at any point or at any culture throughout all of history, everyone now is still so busy, always. And all this time we have saved through history by, by great inventions like cars. We don't, we don't walk anywhere anymore, have to jump on a horse to get somewhere. We get in a car and we get there instantly. We can go to a grocery store instead of growing or, or, or raising our own food. And, and that's amazing. Think of the time that's saved, even Cheetos. Like, how long would it take you to make a Cheeto? You go to the grocery store, you pick a bag, you're done in five seconds. It would take forever to get a Cheeto these days. Or, or, or wash machines. It's no more go down to the river and wash your clothes on a rock. Or, or what about microwaves? You don't have to start a fire and get a stick and, and put your hot dog on it. You just put it in a microwave for 30 seconds. All of this time saved, and then even more now, right, by the internet or cell phones or, or DVRs. DVRs are huge for me. I'm, I'm a Packers fan. I've, I think I've seen either during the game or, or taped every Packer game in my entire lifetime. I see them all. But I hate watching them live. It just takes too long. I can't sit for three and a half hours. It literally just drives me nuts. i got to start pacing around the house. So I tape every game, and I watch it a little bit later. You know how much time this saves me? It's incredible. Like a game on TV, if you watch it live with all the commercials, it's like three and a half hours. The way I do it, it's like an hour and a half to it the most. Where's the time gone? I mean, that, that's an hour and a half for each game or maybe two. That's like 30 hours a year. That's like a half hour a week. I don't know what I do at that time. I probably could learn how to play the guitar or fly a helicopter or something in a half hour a week. But the time's just gone. I have all this extra time because of these inventions, but somehow I've spent it and more. I think you could probably say the same. I think we're maxed out. But why? Despite all of these conveniences, everyone complains all the time about being too busy. There must be a reason that we do this to ourselves. It, maybe, maybe, maybe it might be because we think if we're busy, then we must be significant or we must be important. We think busy people are important people and it feels so good to be important. But self-importance, that's a mask. And busyness is a drug. We're addicted to it and it's messing us up. It makes us feel important, but it's a mask for our true condition. Now, before we get into that, now we're going to get into that, but before we get into that, let's step back just for a second and, and think about something with me. Who do you see when you look in the mirror? Who do you see when you look in the mirror? Or, or is that the person others see? Do they see who you see? Would they give the same description of you as you do? Now, that's, that's important, and, and we're going to come back to it in a few minutes. But is that who God sees? Because that's super important, and we're definitely coming back to that too. But then, how do you determine for yourself which of those views is accurate? Yours or other people's or, or even God's? Well, I think it begins in our youth. In our youth, our view of ourselves is often based, I think, on our accomplishments and possibly other people's approval, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's your grades or your popularity or, or sports. For me, for me, I wanted others to see me as significant or important, but it didn't work. People didn't see me the way that I wanted them to when I was young. And in sports, honestly, were big for me. I loved basketball when I was a kid. And, and there was a player back then that was by far my favorite player. His name was Magic Johnson. And I tried to play like him. I'd watch him on TV and try to do the same moves he did. And that's who I wanted people to see. I, I lived in Milwaukee and I'd go to the playgrounds and play. And I wanted people to think I played like Magic. Instead, they'd always tease me and, and call me Larry Bird. And, and, and he was a good player too, but that's not who I wanted them to see me as. I wanted to be Magic. But what did God see? What did God see of me back then? What was the, what was the accurate view? Now, I have, a, I have a fun picture 
for you of me playing basketball. It's a picture from eighth grade. And, and it's, a, it's a picture of me dunking. And you could think that was an accurate view, but it's actually not. It was part of this photo shoot thing for this banquet. And, and they wanted to take some pictures. And I asked if I could jump off a, a chair and dunk. I couldn't quite dunk in eighth grade, not till high school. I could only dunk a baseball in eighth grade. So, so I, I did this fake picture and everyone thought it was amazing at this thing, but it wasn't accurate at all. It was totally fake. I couldn't dunk a basketball. So that wasn't the real me. This next picture, this next picture would be more realistic. That's, that's actually during the game. That was the real me back then. And I know, I know, look at the hair, look at the hair. Everyone's going to be making jokes about the hair. Go ahead, send them in. That's fine. But bottom line, I had it. It was great. Now it's gone. Kind of like my jump shot. And now that I'm 50, my memory, right? The picture of me was accurate on the outside, but who was the real me inside? How, how did God see me as I hid behind my mask of self-important basketball things or school accomplishments that I defined myself with and I hid behind? For me, like I said, it was sports. For you, maybe it was something else. Growing up was just tough. It's tough on everybody. Even if, if it looks like they're doing it well, it's tough on everybody on the inside. There's so much to figure out, including ourselves, who we are. And as we mature, we do get some things figured out as we go. But truly knowing who we are now and being good with who we are, that's a lifelong journey. So today, let's take a step on the journey together. Let's do that together today. So what about my present or better yet? What about your present? You see, we're wearing these masks all the time. And they feel so good to take them off. And if you're talking about COVID masks, right now it's a daily thing, isn't it? All day, every day that a mask comes on and then you get in your car and you can take it off or you get home and you can take it off and it just feels so good to breathe when you can take the mask off, when it's safe. It's a daily thing. Life overall is really the same way. We wear these masks all the time and it feels so good when we can finally take them off. It's so freeing when we can just be ourselves and be good with who we are and we can breathe. It's important for us. It's important for me. It's important for you to be your real self and enjoy it, to be able to breathe. So, so how do you decide then? And, and then, how do you be comfortable with who the real you is inside when, when you take that mask off? Is, is, is the image you see, is it, is it how God sees you? Is it how others see you? Is it how you see yourself? And is it still by your accomplishments? There's a guy in the Bible. His name is Paul, and he... He's a big shot. He did all this amazing stuff, and he writes a whole bunch of the Bible. But for him, he struggled too, just like the rest of us. For Paul, as an adult, it was still all about being busy and all these accomplishments. He thought he was so good and so important until he met Jesus. Here, here, follow with me. It's in the book of Philippians. And this is what Paul writes himself, about himself. It's, it's amazing. He's so honest. He says in Philippians chapter 3, So, I am a real Jew if there ever was one. What's more, I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I obeyed the Jewish law so carefully that I was never accused of any fault. I once thought all these things were so very important, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I may have Christ. Now, in that passage, Paul's laying it down really hard, right? But for me, I like that. For me, it's good. Because like Paul, even though I'm an adult now, I still struggle with the, the important mask sometimes, or, or maybe you'd call it the busy mask thing sometimes. 
You know, to, to be important, I, I sometimes identify myself more with my job here at church than I do just as a person. You know, church is doing well and accomplishing things and reaching out and helping people. And I sometimes think that's who I am instead of just who I really am. Sometimes it's parenting for me. Parenting has been so important to me. And if you're a parent, you probably understand. I have adult children now and I have this good relationship with them. And, and I think like I'm valuable because of that. When, when really God's not measuring my value that way. It could even be silly stuff like fishing tournaments. I used to do well in fishing tournaments. So now if I do a fishing tournament, I don't do well. There, there's this weird pressure thing like, like, oh, maybe I'm not as good as I used to be. Maybe others don't think as good as I'm as good as I used to be. Even golf. I, I was never amazing at golf. I, when I was young, I was okay at it. And now I never golf anymore, so I'm horrible. But if I go to a driving range with friends or something, I still got to hit the ball the farthest. I don't know why. I don't know why that makes me feel good. But it does. It's the only part of golf I do well. I can't I putt like a three-year-old, but I can drive the ball really far. So somehow there's a pride thing tied up in that. It's not basketball anymore. I stink at that now, so I've, I've released that one. But these, these accomplishments are what I think are my accomplishments. Is that the real me? Or, or even my failures. Is that the real me? How should I determine the real me? How do you determine the real you? How do you determine the real you when you look in the mirror? If it's not by your accomplishments... Then what? Is it your ideal maybe? Like your, your best moment of your life? That's the real you? For me, um, sometimes we go to vacation in Florida and there's this hotel we stay at. And at the end of every hallway by the elevator, they have these giant mirrors. And so, you know, you're going to go out to dinner at night or something and you maybe dressed up a little bit and you stand in front of this mirror as you wait for the elevator. They know right where to put them. You can't help but look at the mirror. I don't know what kind of freaky mirrors these are, but it's the best I've ever looked in my entire life. I don't know if they got some warp thing going on behind those, but I think I look taller and smarter and my outfit is amazing. These mirrors are amazing. That's not the real me, though. That's some trick mirror because I'm paying a ton for a room, probably. The ideal me, that's not the real me. My mistakes aren't the real me. Our, our worst moment, is that how you do it? Like your failures? I hope not. I hope you don't have some guilt about a failure and now that's the real you. I hope that's not you because that's not what God thinks. That's not how God sees you. God knows you and I better than we know ourselves. So we need to drop the mask and be open to seeing ourselves the way God sees us. Not based on what others see or even what you see, but on what God sees. I have this video for you. It's from an old Dove commercial from, from a long time ago, but it, but it really compares well what others see in you and what you could see in yourself. So take a look at this with me for, for a minute or so, and then we'll talk a little bit more about it. Walked into this big warehouse, and at the very end, there was a guy with his back to me with a drafting board. I had a curtain separating me so that I don't see him. Uh, we'll begin. Your jaw. My mom told me I had a big jaw. Yeah, they're brown eyebrows, dark brown eyebrows. Okay. I didn't know what he was doing, but then I could tell after several questions that he was drawing me. Once I get a sketch, I say thank you very much, and then they leave. I don't see him. I still didn't know. All I had been told before the sketch was to get friendly with this other woman, Chloe. Today I'm going to ask you some questions about a person you met earlier, and I'm going to ask you some general questions about their face. She was thin, so you could see her cheekbones. And her chin was a nice, thin chin. So here we are. Mm. So this is your self-described image? And then somebody else described you in the end of this sketch. Do you think you're more beautiful than you say? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you saw the video. You saw how other people might, might describe people. I'm not worried so much about them. I'm thinking about God here. How does God see you? How would he have you drawn? How would God have you drawn? What would God's description of you be? Is it possibly better than you would see yourself? Would his drawing of you be better than you see yourself? Well, rather than me taking a guess or even you taking a guess, how about together we just look at what it says about you in the Bible, what God says about you in the Bible, because God certainly sees you as significant, as important, and full of purpose and potential. That's all over the Bible in very specific terms. It can't be missed. It can't be misunderstood. We see this. But now, let's go even deeper. Let's, let's also take a look at how God would have an artist draw you. We're going to look in the Bible for this, and we're going to see how God would describe you for that artist. The first thing is this. God would describe you as forgiven. God says it. God says it in the book of Hebrews. It's in Hebrews 8, verse 12. God says, I will forgive their wrongdoings, and I will never again remember their sins. That's so powerful. Your past mistakes, even if they were today, should not be part of how you see yourself now. God says you need to ask, and then he will forgive you and never choose to think of it again. He just lets it go. God sees you as forgiven. So you have to stop letting guilt make you feel far from God. Honestly, that's on you. That's on you. If you feel far from God about something like that, that's coming from you. That's not coming from him. He promises you that. He says, I forgive you. I never think of it again. Don't feel far from God because of a mistake. He sees you as forgiven. Now, even better, Jesus sees you as a friend. Jesus says it himself in the book of John in chapter 15. Here it is. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father has told me. It's Jesus who says that. The question is, do you feel like his friend? Do you feel like Jesus' friend right now? He says you are. To him you are. So if you don't, if not, why not? And then what do you need to do to change that? He's offering, right? Jesus is offering to be your friend. What do you need to do on your side to change that? Because to me... It seems crazy to pass him up on his offer. If he's offering to be your friend, Jesus, it seems crazy not to take the offer. Jesus wants to be your friend. God sees you as Jesus' friend. And not only that, even further than that, God sees you as his child, as his child. In the book of John, in chapter 1, verse 12, th this is what it says. Jesus tells us this, But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God. Okay. God sees you as his child. Now, for some of you, maybe that's not the best thing because maybe your father wasn't the most amazing father. So for God to compare himself as a father, you're thinking, I don't really get that. I don't connect with that because my dad wasn't perfect. Well, God's not your dad. God's your father. He's offering to be your father. He calls himself the perfect father. God, as my father, as an opportunity, that's amazing. That's amazing that he would offer you this. God wants to be your father. He wants to love you like a child. 
So take him up on the offer because he sees you as that valuable. Look at, look at another verse with me. God sees you as so valuable and it's described to us in the book of Matthew. Listen, it's so important. This is how valuable God sees you as. Not even a sparrow worth only a half a penny can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Now, you're welcome. He didn't have to take any time numbering mine, so more time for you. But he says, so don't be afraid. You're more valuable to him than a whole flock of sparrows. So if a sparrow is this valuable, you're more valuable to him than a thousand sparrows. God sees you as valuable. And I think we messed that up a little bit because we have our different ideas of value. I did a little Google research this week. The staff helped me out and they found some, some, some fun stuff on Google about some of the most valuable things on earth. So one of them was, was a watch. There's a picture for you. This watch is called the Hallucination Watch. It's worth $55 million. I don't know. Who has a $55 million watch? That's crazy, right? But someone paid that for a watch. It's that valuable. Here's another one. This makes a little more sense to me. It's a car. It's a 1963 Ferrari. I like cars. Awesome. I'd like to have a Ferrari, I guess. But not for $70 million. It's a $70 million car. That's the value. That's what people pay for it. That's how valuable it is. The, the last one, here's, here's the last one. It's my favorite of the list. It's a bluefin tuna. Someone paid $3.1 million for a dead tuna. That's nuts. Now, I know they turn into sushi and it's super expensive and all that stuff. But, man, i got to stop fishing for bass. i got to fish for tuna. Where do you catch a tuna? $3 million? That's like you catch one in your whole life. be amazing, right? But we as people, we think it's valuable. That's what it's sold for. So that's what it's valued at. How about this, though? Okay, we talk about valuing things. And you might have a different idea than I do about what's valuable and what isn't. I'd probably pay more for a fishing rod than you would. We all have our, our, our view of value. Never paying $3 million for a tuna, I'll tell you that. But if you're a parent, you're going to get this, right? God sees us as a parent. God sees us as his child, I mean. He's our parent. Well, for you parents, aren't your kids the most valuable thing to you in the whole world? Could anything ever be more valuable to you than your children? That's how God feels about you. That's how God feels about you as, as his child, as a valuable child, and even more. There's one more that's just amazing. God sees you as his masterpiece. We find that in the Bible book of Ephesians. Here's what it says. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. It's one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. I, I talk about it all the time. God sees us as a masterpiece. Now, honestly, when I look in the mirror and take the mask off, I don't think I've ever said, oh, wow, masterpiece. But that's what God says about us. That's what he says about me. I don't know why, but it's his choice, right? He's God. He can choose. He sees me as a masterpiece, and he sees you as a masterpiece. God is the describer. God can describe you because he created you. And God is the artist. So let him help you see yourself correctly rather than putting on a mask of, of busyness so you can be seen as important or feel important. Realize, realize that you're important to God already. You don't have to do anything to be important to him. You are important. And then recognize that you can choose to live 
like you understand that this week, like you understand your importance to God, like you understand what a masterpiece you are as God's creation. Instead of creating a, a busy blur of activity that has little to do with God's purpose for you and his direction for your life, take off the mask with him. Slow down. Take off the mask for yourself. Slow down and let God help you see yourself as he does. And then let him help you become the person he sees that you can be already like he created you as his masterpiece to be, and do these things he specifically created you to do so long ago. So today, as I wrap up, I'm saying you need to take off your mask. Right? We, we saw in Ephesians 2.10 that you're a masterpiece, but right before that, in Ephesians 2.8.9, it talks about how God loves you, and he adopts you into his family, not based on what you do, but only based on your faith. So it's not like you have to do amazing things to impress God. You're already a masterpiece. But he created you as a masterpiece. He sees you as a masterpiece. So then, then you can do these good things. Now, here at church, just this last week, Pastor Sam started what we call our Live It Challenge. And, and you can sign up. You can go to the church website and click on the Live It Challenge, and you can sign up for it. And every week, you're going you're gonna to enrich the sermon. right? You're going to learn some things on Sunday, and then on Monday and throughout the week, you're going to be challenged to live it out, to live your faith. So I encourage you to sign up. And I know one of those challenges this week is going to be this. This is what I'm going to finish with today. What if you could become the person that other people could take their mask off with? Like God loves you so much you can take off your mask and he sees you as a masterpiece anyways. What if you treated people that way? Right? You don't have to know the whole Bible. You don't have to be perfect. But you can treat other people like they're a masterpiece. So I challenge you with that this week. Think of others as a masterpiece just as God sees them. I know it can be tough, so that's what I'm going to pray about as I close. I'm going to pray that I and you, together, we can change our entire community just by treating people the way God sees them, that we could see them that way as well, and then we can treat them that way, starting with ourselves. So please, pray with me as I close. Dear God, thank you for knowing the real me. Thank you for being okay with the real me. Thank you for thinking of me as a masterpiece. God, help me to think of myself that way, like you do. Help me to think of other people that way like you do. And then, Lord, please help me to treat them like they're your masterpiece. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says that God loves a cheerful giver. And you need to know that when you give here at RCC, you're not only honoring God with your finances, but you're supporting the mission and ministries of this church. And there's a couple different ways you can give. You can give online. You can go to rccsunday.com. There's a giving platform on there that's super easy to use, super user-friendly. You just click on the icon and you can give using a credit card or a bank statement. You can set up a reoccurring gift or just do it once, uh, one time. And another thing you can do is a lot of people like to give uh, by f giving a physical check in an envelope. If you want to do that too, that's totally fine. Our address is 155 State Street. We have a little mail slot on one of the doors that you can put it in. Uh, it's the door that's on the lower level that faces State Street, Fond du Lac Street, uh, and that's what you can do too. So uh, love you guys. Can't wait to see you soon. Um, have a great week. See you next Sunday.